0: one of
1: the more heated topics of debate when it comes to the justification of the believer is whether or not it is done through grace, through faith, and not by works, or if works are actually part of our justification before God. So to discuss this topic with me is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel.
2: Praise the Lord, Chad. Very, very important topic indeed. In fact, uh, there are millions of people who think they know Jesus but are trusting in the law, the law of Moses, or aspects of the law of Moses to save them. So, And there are a lot of confusion also that uh, apologists against the Christian faith will use to try to confuse people uh, by pitting James and Paul against each other, and we need to get that straight.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I've come to find, I guess, when it comes to looking at topics, not only when it comes to, like you talked about, You know those who may be holding on to the law in some regard, whether that's Hebrew roots and so forth, or if we could get into some of the Catholicism as well or Eastern Orthodox movements as well as Mormonism. And when you look at it, this is really the point of the debate. When I see over and over again, I think Scripture alone has to do with it as well, but when I see the debate online, when I see Catholic apologists, when I see these people online discussing this, they start right away with James 2, as we're going to go over those yeah. texts. But, Joe, this actually started from someone who is a believer, but said, hey, you guys are wrong on this. We, don't, we aren't just saved by grace through faith. And actually, this was the comment that they left on one of our videos. They said, it's not faith alone whatsoever. The Bible doesn't teach faith alone at all. It even specifically says it's not in faith alone and teaches a working faith, actions, and deeds through love. Now, I would point out, first and foremost, that the way she's actually describing that, this person writing in, it actually is the same way that you might hear a more, I think, westernized version of Eastern Orthodox teaching. In fact, Hank Hanagrath, who has apostatized and went into Eastern Orthodox movement, Uh, he actually described it in this exact fashion and then quoted James chapter 2, which we'll be reading from at length, and this is exactly how he espoused it. Well, it's just working faith through love, and we we aren't just saved by faith. So we're going to be getting into those texts, but I want to go over that this isn't just, and I wanted to start that with someone who just claims to be a believer, not somebody who claims to be orthodox and so Mm -hmm. forth, and then I want to go through a couple of different uh, groups or even cults that have this view that it's not simply just uh, we're saved by grace through faith and not by works lest any man should boast. And this comes from the Council of Trent. Catholics, uh, the, these are Catholics. This is from Canon 9, and this is what it says. If anyone says or saith that by faith alone the impious is justified in such wise as to mean that nothing else is required to cooperate in order to the obtaining the grace of justification, and it is not in any way necessary that he be prepared and disposed by the movement of his own will. Let him be anathema. Not only do Catholics make this anathematization, but also when we look at the Book of Mormon, a lot of people will look at, you know, different books and so forth, and the Book of Mormon is difficult to grab a lot of theology from, but we can still gain little pieces and little nuggets from the Book of Mormon that we can still prove that it's false just by the Book of Mormon, let alone when you get into the Journal of Discourse and some of the other false teaching. But here is a direct contradiction and something that we bring up to Mormons on the street when we're sharing, and it comes from 2nd Nephi 25, 23, and 24. It says, For we label diligently, we labor diligently to write to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved, after all we can do. And notwithstanding, we believe in Christ. We keep the law of Moses and look forward with steadfastness unto Christ until the law shall be fulfilled. Now, now, Joe, I wanted to give those kind of three. We're gonna have different questions that we kind of go through, but I wanted to just kind of start it off with that because these are different ways of saying. The same thing and that is our justification before God happens not by faith alone but actually works play a part in justification as
2: well yeah you notice that all these groups whether it's Mormons or Muslims or Roman Catholics they all don't have find the Bible as their final authority isn't that interesting every time because if you just go by scripture you're not going to come to that conclusion uh, if you look at you know Islam the Quran is you know without fault and the Bible you know needs to be corrected In Roman Catholicism, the Pope can speak ex-cathedra, and his words trump what's actually written in the Bible. In Mormonism, you know, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, uh, declarations by the prophets trump the Bible because the Bible is only the Word of God so far as it's translated to fit with what we're teaching. You know, so far as it's understood. In fact, it's interesting, Joseph Smith actually uh, put out his own Bible translation. He didn't finish it. He died before it got done, uh, thankfully. (laughs) But... uh, in Romans, where Paul says that, you know, he talks about God's grace and how God justifies the wicked, Joseph Smith literally adds words to Paul's words, and the Bible warns not to add to God's word lest you be reproved. Uh, and he says, God does not justify the wicked. Uh, because, uh, well, you know, tell that to the tax gatherer, the publican in the temple, and the man who said he was keeping God's law. and it was like, I fast twice a week and even did things that weren't in the law, like fasting twice a week and I give to the poor and so forth. And he, you know, but the publican, you know, beat his chest, didn't even look at God because he was a wicked man and he needed to get right with God. He got right, right with God through faith. He didn't do any good works. He had nothing to boast in. He always said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, which of the two left justified? That man did no good works. He cried out for God's mercy and he left there right with God, Jesus said. And uh, it's so, yeah, he does justify the wicked, thankfully, because we couldn't be saved otherwise, because there's none righteous, no, not one. Of course, as Christians, he gives us new hearts, and we live righteous lives now that glorify him. If we're truly in Christ, they'll be fruit of our salvation. But we come to Christ, we're saved by grace from beginning to end through faith.
1: Yeah, and one of the great things we want to do in, in this uh, episode specifically while discussing this is show that this is an argument all over the map when it comes to a distinctive between, I believe, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel preached by the apostles and so forth in the scriptures, as Joe mentioned, and then when you see that this is an attachment. and In fact, it's interesting. They all use the same proof text. Uh, I mean, it's very, very interesting. And this, guys, we're going to show you that, and and we've already done it with three different comments, right, from three different uh, people that are believing something falsely and teaching things falsely, even anathematizing people for believing such things. But we want to show that this actually is landscaped out where there are a ton of different viewpoints in terms of the false teachers that teach this. And we want to get into that, and we're going to do that by showing that they actually try to pin, specifically, and the first question will be, Joe, regarding James and the Apostle Paul because I watch videos of James Tabor. I watch videos of Anand Rashid, the Muslim scholar. So you have a liberal scholar saying, oh, look, Paul and James, they really didn't get together. You know, they weren't real friends. In fact, James is directly teaching against Paul, which dating wise, that would really hurt things. But either way, uh, James is coming against Paul and all of this. And then on the other side, you see Muslims saying the exact same thing. Yeah. Look at them contradict. In fact, James is showing that Paul was a false apostle. Yeah, he's
2: correcting Paul.
1: I listened to Muslim apologists after Muslim apologists. I would never want to be next to Paul on Judgment Day. I, oh man, da 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 All this sort, all this sort of stuff that he, you know, messed up the gospel and so forth. Yeah, I guess guys like Peter would have something to say about that. But nonetheless, when we look at this and we see these texts, Joe, the first question is, was James actually correcting the Apostle Paul, because that's what liberals like James Tabor tell me, and that's what Muslims like Adnan Rashid and others tell me as well.
2: Yeah, it's a uh, very ridiculous. <laughs> uh, uh, they they don't stand in any biblical scholarship, not in any sound biblical scholarship. Most biblical scholars believe uh, and understand. I mean, James is very Jewish as far as his expression, uh, but James cites and alludes to and refers to Jesus' teaching more than anybody else. He's con- when you go through James, it's chock full of the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus is teaching. It's also, you can do a little word study on faith. The word faith appears, uh, we'll talk about that a little later as we get deeper into some of these questions, but the reason, and you already alluded to the answer, Chad, (laughs) you kind of buried the lead a little bit, which is good, uh, because uh, you mentioned dating would be a problem, is most scholars date James as the first book, if not the first book, one of the earliest books, but many say James is the first book that was ever written, or I should say the first New Testament epistle. And most date it to, you know, mid-40s to late 40s. That's, you know, early dating uh, that James was written. Where Paul, it's one of his middling Romans, where they've tried to pit Romans against James. That's one of his middling writings, you know, a little bit later. and That was probably about 10 years later or so. We don't know exactly, of course, because Paul didn't say this was written on this specific date. But uh, most scholars have Paul writing about 57, 58, all the way to 60 AD, 10 or or more years later than James. So for James to be correcting Paul... You know, uh, when James is the first letter written that's supposedly correcting Paul, uh, and Paul hadn't even started writing epistles yet, uh, would be pretty ridiculous. It would also be ridiculous, which I don't want to really get in depth into this answer until later, because it fits kind of later in the show, I believe, is it also uh, misses the, the boat that the James we're talking about is is not the Apostle James, we're talking about James, the, brother, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and they had a church council there, right? And Paul was there. And Paul and him and Peter were all in agreement with one another, right? And Paul references, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later in more depth. Paul references James and how James, you know, they, that, you know, there were Judaizers who believed you were saved by works, who were spying out Paul's freedom. And James was one with Paul. And we see James is one with Paul and coming against the Judaizers in the first church council in Acts chapter 15. And I'll give some quotations from those that particular meeting where we'll see James and Paul and Peter were all on the same page preaching the same exact gospel there was no uh... there was no contradiction now that begs the question you know what's going on then you know what is happening what's why do uh... people present it as some kind of contradiction
1: you know? yeah and and joe i don't know if you want me to read from these texts so they can see it now or we could do that yeah, later as well that'd be great. okay well we actually have them so we'll pull them up and i'll, I'll explain exactly how the argument i've seen goes now a Catholic or a an Eastern Orthodox or someone would say they're not contradictory. Uh, you're just not understanding it properly, and we would bend over back to the other side of that. Not that oh, we're just not understanding Gal- uh, Galatians yeah. or. And by you know, the way, before yeah. you
2: go on, I think it's important for our audience to know how many how many. Protestants and evangelicals say, well, we in Catholics, really, we believe the same gospel. No. You know, like Rick Warren says, "We, you know, we, we we believe in the Trinity, we believe in the gospel, we have all these things that are in common, you know, so they pray to dead people, you know, that's what Rick Warren says. No, they don't believe the same gospel, because while they argue that you're anathematized if you believe that you're saved by grace uh, alone, but through faith alone, that we're condemned, that shows you they don't believe that you're saved by faith alone, and that you have, and that your works somehow factor in to meriting your salvation,
1: yeah, you know what, Joe, and this called a different gospel. A different gospel. That's the, the book of Galatians, and we're we're going to be doing, Lord willing, um, in October, a number of teachings on just Catholicism as a whole because it is becoming more of a problem, which we expect at, at, in the end times, uh, specifically when you see the players and at Absolutely. least how we view yeah. the book of Revelation. So it makes sense. And people are swimming over that river into Rome for the mystical nature of it all, and it really is a heartbreaking thing that people are getting pulled into. And we want to make sure we put some stop gaps there because, as Joe mentioned, it is not just simply oh, they're just brothers of a different color, or, you know, yeah. of different, you know, they they have different doors and 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 so forth. No, 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 they're not brothers. If there are brothers and sisters in Christ who happen to go to the Catholic Church, they're saved in spite
2: of it and not because of it. not because it's a different they're not, gospel. not trusting in the Catholic gospel, then. That's
1: exactly right, and so the the argument here, Joe, that that would be used in terms of pitting. Um, I wanted to I wanted to point that out. The argument used by a Catholic or an Eastern Orthodox or something that that they wouldn't pit Paul and James against each other, but a liberal or a Muslim would. Somebody who doesn't believe in the Bible as the authoritative Word of God, they would have no problem doing that with James and Paul. And so I want to read why they do that. And we can read from uh, James. And if we isolate text and don't look at all all of it, and you guys can see how that happens. So I'll read from Ephesians first. Ephesians chapter two, we'll start at verse eight and we'll read to verse 10. It says, "For, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself, It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 10 also says, which this will be for later, but I know it's on the graphic, so I'll read it, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now the point of contention between that is in this longer passage that I'm going to read from James chapter two, starting in verse 14. And I'm just going to read all the way through it because we have the graphic for all of it, Joe. And and you can go on and, and we can always go back to it. But this is from James chapter two, starting in verse 14. This is where they say, hey, James and Paul contradict. It says, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give to them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? If so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works." You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. By the way, every Catholic Apologist video I've seen starts with that. Faith alone, this the only time you see it, and they use that verse. Verse 25, in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So, Joe, the argument goes as such. Paul said you're saved by grace through faith and not by works. He made that very clear. James says, wait, faith is useless without works. Faith is dead without works, and you're not justified justified by faith alone. So obviously we have a contradiction. That's how the argument would go, Joe. So what do we do with that?
2: Yeah, so let's maybe talk about two of the questions we talked about dealing with in one. You know, what's what's this argument on the surface, which you dealt with, hey, here's the argument. And let's also talk about the solution. Uh, First of all, the term faith alone. Oh, yeah, it takes about faith alone. It says we're not justified by faith alone. But Christians, you know, say, you know, Protestants, non-Catholics say you're just by faith alone. And they're assuming that James, his faith alone— is the same meaning on the surface of what Paul's talking about regarding faith as far as our understanding of what Paul's saying about faith. But when James is talking about faith alone, he's not talking about Paul's talking. Paul's emphasis on by grace you save through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. Because Paul's talking about being justified by faith without works. James talks about uh, faith alone does not make us, you know, does, doesn't uh, put you in right standing with God in their minds. Uh, they're, they're saying, you know, you gotta have works. What they're missing, okay? and this is very simple when you look at the context. Context is everything, context, context, context. Context is king, you wanna read before, you wanna read middle, you wanna read after. Uh, when you read earlier in James, which we'll get to in a little bit, and you read the context of what James is talking about, uh, you see that they have the same exact gospel. It's very simple to understand what you when you take a closer look at it. And that is, Chad, it's all about timing. They're talking about totally different points In the Christian life, you know, Uh, James is not responding to Paul and correcting Paul at all, okay? James is writing long before Paul, and he has a totally different understanding, I should say understanding, has a totally different, uh, well, yeah, the problem that he is understanding, dealing with, is different than what Paul's is. Paul is talking about what what it is to become a Christian. Paul is talking about what it, it means to enter into salvation and into a relationship with Jesus, James is talking about, after you have become a Christian, what your life should look like, what your behavior should look like. Paul is talking about becoming a citizen of the kingdom through faith, and it's not by anything that you've earned where God says, okay, I'm going to forgive you because you've done enough penance now, enough good works, I'm going to save you. Paul argues that if that was the way salvation works, it wouldn't be a gift in Romans 4. You know, it would be based on merit. And Paul's saying, that's not the gospel. And so, Paul's saying that the forgiveness that we receive Christ is not based on us earning it, it's, we're saved by grace, he says, through faith. Talking about the entry point into the Christian faith. We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works. We're not being saved by our works, but it's through faith alone. He's emphasizing no works there. So it is obviously faith alone. Uh, You say, by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. James is talking about what your life ought to look like. And you read the context, bro. He's talking about people that are claiming to be believers and they're unmerciful. And he talks about how uh, mercy will triumph over judgment to the merciful. That's to those who have the changed heart, who are are truly following Christ, have the evidence that they have true faith, but judgment without mercy to those who aren't merciful. Then he talks about people that claim to be Christians and they see people in need. They say, God bless you. Be at peace or something of that of that nature, but they don't care it's at like all Keith about. Green song yeah, or something. I know. I'm kind of I'm, I'm, I'm conflating Keith Green with that there, right there. You know, <laughs> and I, you know, I won't I believe I won't sing it out. But the idea there is they're claiming to be Christians, but there's no evidence that they've truly mm-hmm. turned to Christ. It's that simple. I mean, we're going we're to get into more of the minutia, but it's that simple. Once you start to see the context uh, that we're talking about, uh, Paul is talking about the root of our salvation. Salvation by grace through faith when we first come to Christ. James is talking about the fruit of our salvation after we come to Christ. In fact, Jesus said, you know, every tree that doesn't bear fruit will be thrown in the fire and burned. John the Baptist, that's in uh, John or Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist said the uh, axe is already laid to the root of the tree and uh, it's going to be thrown in the fire. And every tree that doesn't bear fruit, same thing, be thrown in the fire and so forth. And so without fruit, and Paul also talked about fruit. Examine yourself, Paul said, to see if you're in the faith. Now he's talking about those who are claiming to be Christians, not those becoming Christians through faith, but examine yourselves to those who are claiming to be Christians. The church of Corinth, you still aren't repenting, he said, right before that in chapter 12 at the end, in chapter 13, verse 5, he says, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Christ is in you unless you are reprobate. I mean, if you're living a wicked, perverse life and claim to be a Christian, you don't have the fruit, you know, is Paul teaching work salvation there? No, he, he, says, you are, he says, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. If you're truly in the faith, right, you're going to be bearing fruit. James is talking about those who are claiming to be in the faith. In Romans and in Galatians, he's talking about what it means to become a Christian, and that is by grace through faith. And as you live by faith, if you're truly following Jesus Christ, because indeed it is true, faith works by love, guess what? You'll be bearing fruit. But none of the works you do will in any way, one whit, merit or ever earn the forgiveness that God gives us through Christ's death Upon the cross, so Chad, I think it's in, in, in inevitable, or I say imperative, that we understand uh, what's going on here, and that he's talking about different points in the Christian faith. In fact, it's interesting with the Apostle Paul. I could go to Apostle Paul's writings, and I could say, "Hey, look, man, Paul believed in work salvation. Look at Ephesians. See, Paul's not leaving out works, and James not leaving out faith." Uh, Paul in Ephesians two eight nine says by grace you say through faith that not of ourselves gift of God not of works that we should boast. But then in verse ten, what does he say? We are his what? Workmanship. Workmanship. Poema. Yeah. yeah, poema. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So Paul understands too that we're saved by grace through faith, but we're created for good works. So if we are truly submitting to him as his poema, we're going to be doing good works as the fruit of our Christian walks. In fact, you know what? I can bring a tree that I see dying on the side of the road. I'm like, man, you know what? That poor, that poor tree, man. It's just been destroyed. But you know what? I'm going to breed my backyard, put it in some really beautiful soil, and I'm going to water it, and I'm going to take care of it. And guess what? I can bring the backyard, and all of a sudden, it can, all of a sudden it can start bearing fruit in in due season. And somebody come in and say, "Man, that 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 tree, man. It's bearing all that fruit, man. It's it's really wonderful how it earned its way into your backyard." i was saying, "Well, actually, it was." dead, you know. <laughs> I brought it into my backyard and 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 and, and it had mercy upon it. It's bearing fruit and that somebody, so somebody could look at it, I could say, well, it actually is a, a, is a tree alive? Well, does it have fruit on it, you know? And does that fruit, did it earn its way into my backyard because of fruit? No. But I can speak of that tree before I brought it in and after that I brought it in. And if you don't understand the context of the conversation, you'll think I'm contradicting myself by saying it has no fruit and I saved it. I saved that tree. Or it has great fruit, you know. And that's evidence that it's alive, you know, two different times of the tree's life. So listen to what Paul says. And now a lot of people would think could think if they isolated this text, that's Paul's talking about good works as a way to get into heaven. He says, But because of your stubbornness, talking about those who reject Christ and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each what person according to his deeds, to those who by perseverance in doing good, seek glory and honor and mortality and eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation, there will be tribulation and distress to every soul of man that does evil, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there's no partiality with God. I can go, now check that out. That You look at that, it's like, whoa, what's Paul saying there? Nobody would look at that in the context in which it's written And say Paul teaches work salvation. Because that's right there in the book of Romans. Where Paul emphasizes even more strongly than he does in Ephesians chapter 2. Throughout Romans and especially in Romans 4 for instance. That we're saved by grace through faith. And that Abraham was justified uh, by grace through faith. Apart from any works long before he ever did any works that were evidencing the reality of his faith. Uh, In fact this is in Romans 2 just two chapters before that. But what's Paul talking about this? Good works in the relationship to even the final judgment. Well, guess what? Paul also emphasizes that those who are truly in the faith will bear good fruit and they will have good works because he understands that faith without works is dead. The point is, is that we're not justified by any of our works. We're justified by God's grace through trust in Jesus, through faith in Christ, and then the good works follow. So you can't take Paul and say, or, or say, well, Paul and Peter had, or James had differences no, they both believe that you're saved by grace through faith. And we're going to see that with James as well. And they both believe that good, true faith produces good fruit. And they're both talking here. You know, Paul is talking about those who reject Christ but claim to be right with God. The Jews in this context begin in chapter 2. And then he applies it also to the Gentiles who think they don't need the Lord. They have all these wicked works. But those who truly give themselves to the Lord, God transforms their hearts because Paul said, if anyone be in Christ, how do you get into Christ? Through faith, apart from works, by putting your trust in Christ. But when you're in Christ, Paul says, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. All things become new. That's You'll have a newness of life. Then somebody will say, hey, look at that person's life. Are they really a Christian or not? You look at Chad's life. You look at my life before we were Christians and you would see, you know, guys that were, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll and are just the whole milieu of wickedness and when we got saved, none of us said, "Man, I'm going to do this. Man, I'm going to I'm going to fast two times a week, and I'm going to keep the Sabbath and do all things. Maybe God will accept me." No, we both cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ for His mercy. We were both saved by His grace. We we're both radically transformed. Now you can look at our lives, and you can see in our lives, if you anyone who's close to us and knows us, that we have good works, not because we're anything, but because of what the good work that God's done in us by His grace. So somebody might say, you know, hey, you know, uh, how do you know this person's in the faith? I'd say, well, you could tell by the way they live their lives. But we'd never confuse that and say, but that's how they got saved initially. That's, that, that's how they got saved because they have a good life. That's so unbiblical. In fact, Paul says, you know, in Galatians, when he warns against this teaching, he says, I marvel that you're so quickly deserting him who's called into the grace of Christ into another gospel. But even if we were an angel from heaven, like Moroni with the Mormons, preached another gospel to you than that which we preached to you, let him be condemned, eternally condemned. Cursed, anathema in the Greek, which is kind of ironic. With the Council of Trent, you used throwing the word anathema around like just it's nothing when it actually condemns a doctrine. If you don't
1: accept the apocrypha that was not accepted by any You'd sources. Be yeah, when you have yeah. Romans telling us that the Jews actually were supposed to care for and have the oracles of God, they had the word of God, and yet it was never in their canon of scripture. Amen. Sorry, it's Amen. just Amen. It's so bothersome. When you read who the has Council bewitched of Trent? you? Paul
2: says, yeah. and for those who are trusting in their works to save them. Yeah. Who's bewitched you, man? It comes through faith in Christ.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting because when I read James there, one of the things that we typically have to preach the most against, I would say in terms of, I don't know if it's because we're in Southern California or what it may be, but it's more antinomianism is the stuff that yeah. we need to preach against most of the time. It's the warning that, no, 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 there is, you can't just have no law, but we're under the law of Christ, and believers do bear... Fruit in keeping with repentance. And believers have the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the flesh. And those who practice the fruit of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's all New Covenant talk. That's Galatians. Amen. And then you get the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, this gentleness, and self-control. And then that is entirely different than the fruits of the flesh. And we have Paul warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know the, the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? They will not get there. And that's in the context of what? Believers trying to sue each other, right? Right before that, or and, and so forth. Or yeah. even uh chapter five is you have people running in sort of wickedness and people are just accepting them at the table. Oh, yeah, it's great. Sleep with your father's wife, everything's fine. And he's like, No, don't even eat with such a person. What are you doing? And so th- right. these are it's so important for us to recognize that, yeah, a lot of times I'm gonna be honest with you. I was just talking to a couple who has been uh watching uh Good Fight recently and just visited the church, and they were out sharing the gospel at a country music festival and they were like it was so weird no one wanted to hear I was like that's because most of them think they're Christians they're gonna get drunk all night there yeah. they're gonna go to their country music that all their songs are gonna be about this that and the other and then randomly they throw the word Jesus or God in there and they'd be like yes Here's a Christian song as I'm drunk as a skunk sleeping with someone who's not my wife, and I'll just go to church in the morning. Those people need to be woken up by verses like Matthew seven twenty-one through 23, where Jesus said, I never knew you. You didn't walk in the commandments of the Lord. I don't know you. You're a child of the devil, according to 1 John chapter 3. So that's usually the battle we fight. But we don't swing the pendulum over to, but let's make sure we're working for our salvation because we have a proper understanding of justification versus sanctification as well. And so when we also look at that text, Joe, starting off, what use is it then, my brethren, if someone says they have faith but has no works, can that faith save him? It has a definite article before the faith. Can that faith, what faith? The faith that has no works. Yeah. And who is he talking to? What did he talk about right earlier in the chapter? When you assemble together, don't act like this and, oh, you have nice clothing, come to the front. He's talking to believers who are already believers and saying, we're not acting this way. And if you have people there in your congregation, they're acting this way. You have people here. What use is it, my brethren, this faith that, oh, it's okay. He's, he's starving. You know, go well. I mean, be at peace. I'll, I'll pray for you, right? And he's like, that faith can't save anybody. That's not the faith. How are you a bloodbought believer with a new heart that God has given you, and you care yeah. nothing for the lost? You care nothing for the people that are destitute and that are broken, that Jesus said, well, God's Word says in Isaiah 57, 15, that our God is high and holy, but guess what? He He goes down to the lonely and the contrite Amen. to revive their spirit. And you don't have that heart? You don't have that new heart? That I believe that's 100% what's being talked about here, Joe. So... Next question for you, because we're working through these, okay? We work through a little bit of the, does it appear, why does it appear on the surface that he's contradicting? And what is the solution to this? But how do we reconcile their different teachings in relationship to Abraham and works? Because it does seem, when we look at that text alone, James brings up Abraham. And I think this is honestly where a lot of the times the Muslims will get this, or maybe the liberals will be like, look, Joe, I can show you James is going to correct Paul. Paul used in Romans 4 faith is credited to him as righteousness. Was it before or after circumcision that he was justified before God? And here comes James coming down the street. No, I'm going to tell you Paul's wrong here, Joe, because actually I'm going to use the same text, but I'm going to say it's actually by works that justified him. That circumcision actually did justify him, and he became a friend of God because of it.
2: Yeah, and this is something that uh, is important to understand, and each and every person could understand this. You have to keep in mind They're writing several years apart. They're addressing different problems. Paul is addressing the problem of how Rome, especially in Romans, right? And the early, you know, he's dealing with uh, Gentiles being saved and Jews. Like, what about the law and so forth? And he's emphasizing the how you get saved. How you come to be in covenant in the new covenant with Jesus. Because the old covenant, you had to, you know, keep the law of Moses. You had to be circumcised. Keep the Sabbath. All these different things. And Paul's emphasizing how you come to faith. James is not talking about that problem he's writing years before Paul he's talking about those who are claiming that they're Christians and they're not following Jesus and they're not they're not caring for people and he's saying your faith is a sham Paul also said as a as I referenced earlier that people's faith is a sham if they claim to be Christians and he gives as you know Chad Galatians chapter 6 uh, or chapter 5 verse 19 through 21 Galatians chapter uh, 5 19 through 21 Ephesians 5. 4-8, uh, through eight, maybe you can even start at 3 if you want, First Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, he gives vice list of the wicked, he gives a list of, you know, fornicators and adulterers and drunkards and, and druggies, he uses the word pharmakeia, you know, murderers and, 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 and extortioners and thieves and all these different people that will not inherit God's kingdom, because guess what, they're demonstrating that they're not in the faith by their wicked works, and he warns the others not to follow in their ways and not become partakers with them. So Chad, I think it's uh, imperative that we understand because the word being used justified, that's what confuses people too. Mm. They're both talking about yes. being justified. But what people don't realize a lot of times when they read the English word justified, they don't realize that words have a range of meaning in the Greek and also in English, uh, where they, you can use the same exact word but have a totally different uh, thing that you're talking about. So for instance, the word justified, uh, Paul and James both use the same word and it's dekyosis. And dechiosis is the word uh, that's used over and over again through the New Testament for being justified. Dechiosis. But the word had a range of meanings, okay? It's like this, Chad. Uh, you like, uh, you know, we both like uh, football. And we like football because what do you do when you play football? Now, guess what? If you're in the audience in England, you might be thinking, well, you kick the ball into a goal, you know? Oh. And, and if, you're, if you're an American, you know, you're thinking, well, you know, you, you, you hold a piece, of, you know, or you kick a round ball into the hole, you can't touch it with your hands unless you're the goalie or you're taking it out, you know, or, or putting it in play. But we'd say, no, that's, you can't, you, no one kicks it except the kicker with their foot and you play with your, you totally with your hands, you know, and one has a goalpost, one has a net and you can have two totally people talking about the same sport or somebody listening in and think, or they hear two different people talking about football, and they think, "Hey, you guys are talking about the same game." And the person could think they're talking about the same sport and totally miss what they're talking about, and they could totally think they're contradicting each other about what happened in that game because they're saying the guy said the score is three to one, this guy said the score is thirty-five to twenty-one. It's like what in the world these guys didn't even see the same game. Well, look what you're the one that's messed up because you don't understand they're talking about two different sports. And Paul and James are talking about two different things with regard to justification. Okay, because deichiosis. Uh, it's used in different ways. It's used by Paul when he's talking about it in Romans and, uh, and so forth. He's talking again about how one is made right with God. How we are accepted by God through putting our trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross and putting a faith in him and what he's done for us in his glorious resurrection and that we're saved because he did all the work and we could never work for our salvation. But James is talking about justification in a different way. Because when James uses the word justified, he's talking about the word justified in terms of evidence of a claim. In fact, Jesus used it that way. Jesus said, Wisdom is dekiosus justified by all her children. Does that mean mean wisdom is saved because her children save her? No. (laughs) It's not using it that way as to how to be saved. Jesus is using it as evidence. Wisdom is justified, he said, of by all her children. In other words, guess what? If there's, take the personification of wisdom in chapter 31 of the book of Proverbs, and it talks about all the wonderful works she does. All those wonderful works justify or prove, give evidence that wisdom is truly wise. And James talks about faith that way, that it'll have evidence, it's justified, it'll show to be true faith. That's totally the evidence there. I'll show you my faith by my works, that it's real faith by his works. Now, it's important to understand this. Is, and, and by the way, James, it's interesting. He talks about wisdom, which is from above, has brings forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness and so forth. So he talks about wisdom bearing, you know, he's so often referring to Jesus' teaching. It's amazing. But he talks about uh, the evidence of true wisdom there too, just as he talks about the, w- the evidence of true faith. So I think it's very, very important uh, that we understand that even when we're talking about this, we're talking about two different things. And that kind of brings us into uh, the discussion with Abraham then. Because Paul, in Romans chapter 4, very clearly talks about, he quotes uh, chapter 15, verse 6 of, uh, of Genesis, talking about how, it says in the Old Testament, proving to the Jews that God's plan was always to justify ma- people, make them right through putting faith in Christ. He talks about Abraham, who's the father of our faith. Uh, example, exhibit A, Abraham, the, the father of our faith. It says that he was justified by faith alone. In chapter 15, verse 6, it says he believed God. Because remember, God, uh, he, you know, he was like struggling. to say, how can I have a child? And he wanted to have, you know, his, he said, you know, I'm going to give my inheritance through my servant, Eliezer, because I can't have a kid. You know, so that's who's going to get my inheritance. And the Lord said, no. He goes, it's going to be through the offspring of your body. And he brought him outside. He showed him the stars. And in those days, no smog, you know, <laughs> just no light out except the stars, just stars everywhere. And the Lord said, your, your children may be as numerous as these stars, you know. And Abraham believed God, it says. And in 15.6, he says, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And Paul's pointing out that before he did any good works, He was made right with God through faith at 15.6. Well, James is not trying to prove when you initially get saved. So he's proving something else. What's he trying to prove? What's he saying? Look at my life and it proves that I have real faith. That's what he's saying there. He's saying, you know, you show me your work, your your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works, that I have real faith. He's just talking about the evidence that his faith is real. That's the whole evidence. That's all. It's it's so clear when you read it, what's going on there. And then it's interesting, too, because he uses Abraham, but he uses Abraham because he's making a different point. And he uses the consummation of Abraham's faith when Abraham uh, later on, probably about 30 chapters later, I'm sorry, 30 years later, (laughs) uh, about 30 years later, most scholars believe it's about 30 years later that he talks about how he offered up Isaac, right? And he was justified by, his faith was justified by his works. What faith was justified by his works? Well, God had said about 30 years later, you're going to have a child, right? I'm going to, you know, do all this through you. His faith started then. Are we to believe that he wasn't saved until 30 years later? No, God speaks of him as his child in the covenant relationship with him long before that happened 30 years later or about 30 years later when he offers up Isaac but what's happening there Chad he's showing the result of his faith the evidence of his faith I mean he was offering up his own you know God stopped him because Isaac was a picture of the father giving his son on the same mountaintop 2,000 years later Uh, but it was a test and he was showing him hey his faith is real that's that simple and and there's then there is a difference because guess what when you're first saved by grace through faith God sees your heart he knows if you're trusting him or not if you're truly putting your trust in in Jesus Christ, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter twelve, no one can say that Jesus Christ is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. And you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you confess Him with your mouth as your Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. It says you shall be saved. So you 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 respond to Him and you're saved. Well, guess what? Years later, and in time, all of us will stand before God. But how will our faith be justified by our works? We don't get saved by our works, we're not justified by works, but our works will justify the reality, vindicate. In fact, the word uh, decosis can be translated vindicate. In fact, when Jesus said, uh, you know, wisdom is justified by all our children, you could translate that wisdom is vindicated by all her, sh- her children. You say that with James too. James could, faith, you know, without works, you know, that he talks about Abraham was justified, you say vindicated, that is as faith was real. Because what's interesting, Chad, is guess what James does, and I think this is fascinating. He also quotes chapter 15, verse 6, when when Abraham was first justified by faith long before, 30 years later, he, his, he, his works showed the evidence that his faith was real. But God knew his faith was real the moment Abraham put trust in him. And I dare say, I don't have to dare, I will say that God knew his faith would be real before the beginning of time. Because God knows all things from eternity past. It's how big our God is, you know?
1: No, amen. And guys, these things are so important and these points of emphasis, we, we talk about context a lot, context being king, because these points of emphasis are so important that you don't let someone come and take a verse out of its context for a pretext of whatever they want to believe. So we take these verses in the context of who it's written to, I mean, this is the science of studying scripture, knowing not only a verse there and reading through one verse. Oh, look, we're not justified by faith alone, Job. That's it. I guess we're done. But then let's see how is justification working out in that? What faith is it talking about? Who is it talking about? Is it talking about, as it was in Ephesians 1, the Christocentric nature of our salvation in Christ, the fact that we now get to. Both Jews and Gentile, we now are saved together both by grace through faith and not by works. And all of these things are so important so that we don't get bewitched by false movements like the Eastern Orthodox Church, like the Catholics, like the Mormons, and we don't get bewitched by these false gospels that add works to the justification that comes only it's, by faith alone in Jesus Christ. It's because it
2: appeals to your pride, you know. Amen. And that's another point along. And I'll quote a scripture from James two twelve and thirteen. This comes right before Chad started reading at two fourteen. Okay, and but it is related. A lot of people see a lot of James writing as like a bunch of sermons that are just thrown together. No, man. When I've I've taught through the ver- book of James I don't know, a couple th- couple years, we're going to do that again because that was like near the beginning of my ministry. I was probably a few years in the pastorate, you know, about thirty years ago or so. I. Through uh, the book of James, maybe 25 or so, and we're getting ready to do that again after we finish the book of Revelation on Sunday. So it's kind of interesting that Chad wanted to do with this topic. But it's interesting when you look at the book of James, you you realize uh, that you know he's he's his letter actually it's very seamless, it might not seem like that at first, but you see it all ties together, even the two verses before this, because he's talking about James 2 12 and 13. He says. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. He's talking about those who are claimed to be Christians. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He's talking about when you stand before God, who are you? You know? And then he then he goes into this whole you know deal about those who claim to be Christians, but they could care less about anybody else. Care less about helping anybody and loving anybody, and they're not fulfilling the royal law of liberty, which is the law of Christ, which is love. And then he goes into this whole thing about what real faith looks like when it's acted out. Nothing in here indicates how you become a Christian, but Paul is definitely dealing with when you become a Christian, what your faith, that faith is merit—is without merit, you know? And then Paul emphasizes over and over again, you know, like in Romans chapter 6, verses 13, 14, 15, mm. 16, 17, 18, that, you know, if you're a Christian and you're dealing the faith, Paul says you're going to no longer yield the instruments of your body to wickedness, but to righteousness, you know, because that, and that's going to be showing that you are truly in the faith. So all this is very, very important to understand. And, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. You're just like, but those who don't see it are, you know, of course, a Muslim who doesn't want to accept Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior is going to try to find a surface kind of understanding or Rome which wants to teach a works view of salvation so you can do works for their church and further the Roman Catholic, you know, corporation is going to say, yeah, you need to do all these works. And guess what? You know what? That's what makes you right with God is what you do. No, uh, we believe, you know, it's, it's been said we're saved by grace through faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. So we're saved by grace through faith. When we crowd to Jesus and put our trust in him, we're born again. Okay. But after we're born again, guess what? That faith will have fruit and evidence so the faith that's real will never ever be alone.
1: Amen, amen. That's, that's without a doubt. That's part of the new creation. It's so interesting, Joe, because when we see that verse, and you, we've already said it a number of times, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when it talks about the new creation,
2: Yeah, verse 17, yeah.
1: one of the beautiful things is, it just like it talks about that we're his poema, made for good works, right after it talks about yeah. saved by grace through faith and not by works, it then tells us that we've been created now as a poema for good works. That's Absolutely. that's what we're made for. And it's a beautiful, when you put it together, it's beautiful. But I, Joe, I got to say this before our broadcast ends, because we've been so excited because we did finally come out with part two. I didn't say finally because I think it was pretty quick, actually, after part one. Part two of our Marvel and DC's War on God Doctor Strange, Alester Crowley, and the multiverse of Satanism. And Joe, I wanna read a comment that just came in today for someone who watched it on video on demand. I'm pulling that up, we don't have the DVD yet, But we will be having a DVD for this You can watch it online right now, though. But this one comes on the video on demand that you can go. Just go to marveldcexposed.com. That's marveldcexposed.com. Or Goodfight.org, either way. Yeah, and uh, you want to go to that, but check this out. This was a comment that was written regarding the new video. It says, as a comics fan and artist, I found the information in this documentary shocking and necessary to know. So much of this I never knew about. How could Marvel comic creators dare want to deceive Stan Lee? But two of them did. Good Fight Ministries is in the crosshairs of many ardent comic fans who don't want their fun spoiled by facts. Some Christians don't want Good Fight Ministries to make unbelievers uncomfortable. I say more power to Good Fight Ministries. Comics have been used for good and still can be, but as our Lord Jesus tells us, a good tree is not able to produce bad fruit. Neither a bad tree to produce good fruit. It all depends on the inner and spiritual life of the karmic creator. As Good Fight Ministries shows conclusively, if the heart of the karmic creator is full of evil, their work can't help but be infused with it. Be aware and on guard and support Good Fight Ministries so they can make the rest of the series and more. And Joe, I know you are already working on part three, which Josh is in his office, probably working on it right now as we speak. But we are excited. This has been just such a a, an amazing time for people to really discover the truth of this and be able to express it in the same way with they sold their souls to rock and roll joe this is basically a gospel track that you're giving to someone yeah amen a chance for them to have what ephesians 5 11 all the way through the entire context there through 14 not only to expose the wickedness but to have christ arise and shine on their hearts that is the goal of this video that's the goal of most of the videos we put out have to do with that exposing of wickedness, even if it's wicked doctrines like a works-based salvation, like tonight. Either way, the goal is to edify the believer and to bring the lost to salvation Amen. and also to encourage the believer by way of edification, by way of encouraging them to share the gospel. And this is a great way to do it. You know, so Amen. I would encourage point people.
2: We've been I just got interviewed with that on that today by a brother that interviewed me for the first one. And then at the end of this interview, goes, my wife and I watched the second one, and they were blown away, they're like, this is just Satanism, man, through the popular comics. Yeah. And, and he went off, he said a lot of really good things in the interview, I was like enjoying listening to him. I was like, well, praise God, I said, you get it, bro. And then he's like, hey, can I bring you back when you finish part three? You know, he goes, because <laughs> I want to bring you back after every single part that you do. And I said, sure, because we've been getting a lot, doing a lot of interviews, because people are tripping out on this. And if, if you're sitting there and you're like, man, you know what, I haven't seen it yet, or I haven't seen part one yet, Better grab it, go check see. it out. It's pretty cheap, you know. Uh, you go online and you get it. And, Four bucks, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, you just, and, you, and you can watch it to rent it for like $3.99 or whatever. And we just want to encourage you to check it out because it'll blow you away. I want to encourage you in the audience that have seen it. You're like, man, yeah, people need to see this. Invite people over. Have a little, you know, party. Bake some popcorn or something and sit them down and get non-believers. Seek to win them to Christ. Get believers who are knee-deep in this stuff that need to see what's going on because they're accepting occultism into their lives. Uh, By by rejoicing in these wicked characters and so forth, so I'd really encourage you to check this check it out if you haven't watched it yet.
1: Amen. And one of the things that we're doing here tonight is preaching a legitimate gospel, and that's the goal here. That's the goal for all of our videos. So that's what we want to make sure is that when we're preaching the gospel, that it is a gospel that comes from Scripture that there's no authority over it, no church council gets to be over it, no um, view of the Pope gets to be over it, Amen. Joseph Smith, no angel or nowhere gets to be over what has been clearly written in God's word and delivered to us from God Amen, as Anastas. God breathed, and that is why we cannot accept what Rome says, we can't accept what the Oriental Orthodox Church says, or what the Eastern Orthodox Church says, or any of the other schisms that are out there, but we always say, what does the scripture say? And you obey it. So that's what we're Talking about here, and Joe, I, I want to ask this. I know we only got a, we got less than five minutes left. I think here, how can we be sure that James and Paul preach that same gospel that we're trying to preach? Okay,
2: that means I'm going to try to give two two and a half minute answers, or two and two fifteen, since the question was almost thirty seconds long with what I just said. Uh, first of all, know this in Galatians two nine, the, the apostle Paul says. Uh, you no, know, he talks about how. Recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James he's talking about the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, who wrote James and Cephas and John, Peter, that is, and John uh, were uh, who were reputed pillars, gave to me Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, so that we might go to the Gentiles and 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 and, uh, and they to and they did the circumcised, so they these in total agreement with James. And James is commending Paul's preaching the gospel and sending him. And then also, listen in one of James, right before you get to 14, which Chad read. He talks about those who have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. James believes salvation is by grace through faith. He says to his beloved brethren to be rich in faith in verse 5. And then he talks about how we're all sinners and we need grace because he says in verse 10 that if you just break one, one aspect of the law, you're guilty of the whole law. And then, Paul, James talks about, I say, Paul talks about how their liberty would be spied out by these Judaizers that felt you had to keep the the law to be saved, the law of Moses to be saved. Well, it's interesting because in Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas go to, guess who? James, who's a senior pastor of the church there at Jerusalem, the same one that wrote the book of James right here. And guess what we find? We find that Peter and James agree. James concedes with Peter that we're justified by grace through faith that our forefathers could not keep the yoke of the law and that we were cleansed. Peter states directly that we were cleansed from our sins through faith, not through the law. And James signs off on that as the leader of the church at the time. Not Peter was not the Pope. James wasn't the Pope either, but he was the leader at the Church of Jerusalem and, and he he's the one that gave the final judgment. Then they wrote a letter and they wrote that letter which emphasized that we're saved by grace and not through keeping the law of Moses by faith. And guess what? In that letter that James put together with Peter and those under him, it states that we sent out Paul and the others to preach the truth. Ha! So, you guys, these are teach, they're teaching the same exact gospel. Very important that we understand that.
1: No, it is it is really important, especially as Joe mentioned. And I, one of the things that's really cool, we're, we're
2: going through it. I know we have one last question.
1: One me. last question. I want to get to it. And we're going through this in our young adults group. That we have here on Sunday nights, and one of the things I was pointing out, I said one of the cool things when you go through the epistles is you actually get to go back into the book of Acts and kind of see a little bit of the layout. A lot of times of when those things might have been yeah. written or what they're being written about. We're going to go try to go through it in chronological order, starting with uh, Thessal- First Thessalonians, but nonetheless, uh, in terms of Paul's epistles. But when we look at this, Joe, and we see all these going on, all the things going on, all the things being said by all these false religious systems. And we say, well, we want to get it back to scripture. How do the perspectives of James and Paul not contradict, but actually end up complementing each other?
2: Yeah. And that's, that's the crazy thing is they don't contradict each other. They radically complement each other against two heresies that we ought to complement each other a- in, in ministry. And that is, they're sharing that they, they have the same gospel. Acts chapter 15, Galatians chapter 2 shows you that they are one in their presentation of the gospel, but they're dealing with different things. So the Muslims, You know, they want to put Paul and James against each other with their swords crossed up at war as to what the gospel is. But guess what? They're not fighting against each other. They're one. They're back to back, okay? They're back to back, and they're fighting together against two different false doctrines. Paul has his sword out with his back to James as they both defend the same gospel, and Paul's sword is leveled against the legalists who believe you have to work to attain favor with God and teaches that you're justified by grace through faith alone. However, Paul's not leaving out what James says, that if you claim to have faith, but you are not living wickedly, he says Christ is not in you, 2 Corinthians 3.15. In fact, Chad, in Galatians chapter 5 and in Ephesians chapter 5, which I think is interesting, both of those books, which are both about emphasizing salvation by grace through faith, in both places, that's where Paul says, however, if you're living a wicked life, claiming to be a Christian, don't be deceived. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did he change his gospel? No, because he believes we're saved by grace through faith. He just believes that faith without works is dead. If you're truly in the faith, there will be evidence for your faith. And so he has his sword pointed, Chad, at the legalist. James has his sword pointed at the libertines at those who are licentious and are turning grace into a license for morality, believing that they don't have to truly trust Christ. Those who believe in uh, cheap grace, say, oh yeah, I'm a believer, and just have mental assent. I believe Jesus died for me uh, in an intellectual faith, but not a heart faith, okay? Or that have an intellectual faith and some emotion. He attacks that too because he says the demons believe that there is one God, and they tremble. They even have an emotional experience, but that doesn't save them. In other words, you have to have a true faith that truly leans into Jesus and truly trusts Him. If you're truly trusting Jesus, as Chad reiterated, anyone that's in Christ becomes a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. So James and Paul are one. They just have their swords pointed in two different directions. And those who are against the gospel try to turn their swords against each other. And that's not right. And that's not biblical. And that does not fit the context of their writings.
1: Amen, guys. You have been saved by grace Through faith, it's a gift of God lest anyone should boast. God bless you guys.
2: Love you guys. Press on in Jesus. God bless you. You've
0: been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1 866 JC Truth. That's 1 866 528 7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.